Collective Cast Number 7, Seven Habits, Transitions. You're tuned to the Collective Cast. Agents of the Collective strive to fight, adapt, and grow. Whether facing the evils of the world or those within ourselves, we support one another and leave nobody behind. And now, here's your host of the Collective Cast, The Cryptic Chameleon. Hello, fellow members of the Collective. Yes, I am Chris, also known as the Cryptic Chameleon, and welcome back to the Collective Cast. This time, I am returning to our normal, previously scheduled uh, topic, although I'm doing it a week earlier than I promised, but that's because I had a day off and I could work on this, so... um, First of all, I, I want to just take the opportunity to, again, thank you all for listening. Uh, anybody who is listening, it's really appreciated. I'm glad that you can journey alongside me in our journey together to fight, adapt, and grow. And over time, I would love to hear your stories as well about how you're dealing with things in your lives. By all means, join the Discord channel and share your journey with me there as well. I would greatly appreciate that. So... The chapter that I just finished in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a transitional chapter. It's the chapter that bridges the gap between the personal victory habits and the public victory habits. And right now, I'm going to do a quick recap on the personal victory habits. So the first habit is to be proactive, which the book also refers to as personal vision, driving a vision within oneself. The second is begin with the end in mind, and that has to do with personal leadership. And that's the activity where I went through and I thought about, you know, what I would want people to say about me after I die. And then the last chapter, put first things first, has to do with personal management. So there's a difference between management and leadership. Management is making sure that the things that are important are at the top of the schedule versus leadership is having a vision as to the future. Now, so far, my experience with all of these has been up and down. Uh, Being proactive was never my strong suit, and it's still something that I'm very, very much working on. And so, for example, the book used used the example of keeping your commitments every single day uh, for a month, all of your commitments to yourself and to others. And for me, that just wasn't possible. It's not to say that I'm not getting better at it. It is to say, though, that it is a lot, and I don't currently have yet, I don't yet have the personal integrity to be able to do that. And it's a combination of energy, but it's also a combination of habit. My habit is, oh, I'll make a commitment to myself, and then I won't keep it. One of the things that's been helping with me with that is the idea that I heard from another podcast of making sure that I don't miss something that's a commitment to myself more than two days in a row. So for example, if I say that I'm going to do some form of meditation every day, if I miss a day, it's okay. But to try not to miss or to make it a strong, strong commitment not to miss two days in a row. So that's been helping me a little bit in that side of the journey. Beginning with the end in mind, I uh, I, I do have a lot. I have a lot of character growth that I'm doing And a lot of things that I wrote down that I wanted as traits that people would say about me if I was dead. There are a lot of them, though. There's like 20. 
there's 24, something like that. It, it's a large amount. And I actually ran them by a friend and he's like, well, I mean, those are great if you're God. <laughs> those are great if you're Jesus. And I was like, but those are the traits I want to have in myself. And it's like, yeah, but you have to also <laughs> keep in mind that you're you're not going to be perfect. And that's something that I... um. I also have a hard time with, as I mentioned last time, that if I miss a goal, sometimes I really beat myself up over it. But one of the things that I try to do, and I haven't been doing as much lately, is to read over that list so that I'm always mindful of what direction I want to be heading in. So I always have a clear vision as to where I'm going and who I want to be. And that's that helps because it gives me some positive thinking for the future. In terms of... Per- <laughs> can't talk in terms of putting first things first that has also been a struggle uh over the past couple of weeks just sitting down and making the time to prioritize based upon those character traits that i want to develop and based upon what will help me grow within the different roles that i have in life be it podcasting game streaming uh father husband all of those things trying to do all of those things and to prioritize what's important is uh, a little bit tricky. And it's because maybe part of me doesn't want to face those things. Part of me just wants to be lazy. I don't even know if it's laziness. It just might be fear. Um, might be anxiety. Like some of the things I have to do for the podcast and my game stream involve some manual labor that I'm not thrilled with. Like not manual, manual labor, but like pre-posting social media tweets and I have a backlog of YouTube videos that is very very long that need to be you know have descriptions written and be scheduled and have you know a good thumbnail created for them and it, it it's not just one game like I have like five games that I've played or six games and some of those games have like 30 40 episodes that I have to go through and get pre-posted and scheduled. And if I don't do that by mid-March, guess what? I'm not going to have any more videos posting because I don't have any more pre-scheduled. So I've got to go through and do that. So those types of things that are important but not urgent, sometimes it's hard finding the motivation to do them because they can be tedious. And so digging deeper to try to find that is also still a struggle for me. But it's always a struggle. It's always going to be a battle for yourself and for myself. And I need to be mindful of that. And one thing, the um, I will say, the one thing that my spouse, soon to be ex-spouse, but still spouse, told me is I had mentioned like, well, when I have my own place, I'm planning on having a specific cleaning day. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna make sure I tidy up the house every day. And she said, you know, you, you can do that now. You don't have to wait for your life to start. You, you can start your life now. And it was very revolutionary to hear that you know I could start my life now I don't have to just be planning it and so that that was a good thing to hear and that was a good takeaway for the directions we're going direction I'm going to be going in in my life and uh, that this book is going to be taking as we move forward so this chapter does not cover a specific habit per se it covers an important attribute of interpersonal relationships and this is something my therapist has also brought up with me which is the emotional bank account so every relationship that i have or you have or anybody else has has with it an emotional bank account and usually what happens is both people 
in a relationship, be it a friendship, uh, a work relationship, whatever it is, deposits get made into that bank account. And usually both people make deposits. So on both sides, you know, the bank account has plenty of, you know, capital in it, so to speak, from an emotional perspective. So whenever you whenever I do something for somebody or um, I follow through with something, that's making a deposit into that emotional bank account, which is awesome. And whenever I don't keep a commitment or I mess something up or I say something that is slightly insensitive and not intended to be insensitive, you know, there's a balance there so that when, when, you know, there's a withdrawal made when something goes wrong, the person's not looking at me and being judgmental. They're saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's a mistake. It's okay. Because there's a balance of trust there. There's a balance of emotional trust. But building that balance takes time, first of all. And second of all, like a real bank account, it can be overdrawn. So in my real life, I've found that, again, unintentionally, I was the type of person that just constantly made withdrawals without making tons of deposits. So my deposits would be, you know, an occasional kind word, maybe doing an extra chore around the house every now and then. But I would always be demanding. I would always want, you know, hey, I need to feel validated. I need you to do this. I want you to do that. It was a very self-centered mind frame, well, frame of mind. And because of that, once things reached a certain point, that bank account was overdrawn. And so there was no sense of trust anymore. There was no sense of emotional uh, balance there because I had overdrawn. And it would take me a long time to be able to refill up that bank account. Now, luckily, you know, I'm able to rebuild that bank account a little bit, but it's never going to be the same bank account at this point, at least in terms of uh, certain personal relationships. But other relationships, such as business relationships, it doesn't mean that um, there aren't consequences. You know, if you're in the workplace, you know, people might say, oh, well, this person isn't trustworthy or this person never follows through, etc. And I'm sure that people have said that about me and that I had a certain sense of reputation about me because of that. And that's something that I have to get through. You know, it's my job to be responsible for my actions and to make sure that I'm investing in myself and in others in healthy emotional ways so that things aren't overdrawn, so that there is a mutual emotional establishment of trust. And so that's that's what the next section of the book is about. And one of the things this chapter gave was uh, some ideas for six different major types of deposits that can be made into this emotional bank account. So the first is understanding the individual. So the, the way that the book summed this up, and it was a quote from another person, was treat everyone the same by treating them differently. So instead of treat everyone as you would like to be treated, treat everyone the same by treating them differently, which means get to know the person. Get to know what do they like? What do, don't they like? How do they communicate? How do they take criticism? Do they not take criticism well? Well, if they don't take criticism well, how can you work around that? One of the paradigms that I tend to be stuck in a lot of times is, well, what would I want or how would I think about this? Well, if I'm thinking about the, it this way, then everyone else will probably be thinking that way too, right? 
But that's not the way it is. Just because I would want something doesn't mean that somebody else would want that same something, be it emotional, physical, or, uh, you know, in terms of anything. Just because I would want something doesn't mean somebody else would. So the do unto others as you would have them do unto you doesn't exactly work because what you want or what I want might not match what the other person wants. So the first major deposit would be to understand each individual person you have a relationship with and come to a deep understanding about them so that you can have a sense of what they want. And that's hard. It's tricky, especially when you're coming from a mindset of um, being in a position of entitlement or selfishness, getting out of that thought process of, well, this is what I would want, so that must be what everybody wants, is a little bit difficult. Another major deposit is attending to the little things, which means looking for small signs about things that are going on with a person. So in, instead of you know looking for the major things, I mean, it's easy to see the major things. It's easy to see if somebody is having an emotional breakdown if they're crying in the middle of the break room at work. That's, that's easy to spot. And it would probably be highly insensitive if nobody paid attention to that and just kind of walked by and turned their heads. Although people nowadays might do that because a lot of people are uncomfortable with, well, hard feelings. If you see somebody else's pain, it might remember, or it might cause you to remember pain that you've felt and then you don't want to deal with it. So that's one thing that is, you know, there, there's always obvious things for big, big problems, but the, the key is not to wait for those. The key is to look for small things. So, how is somebody acting slightly different? Are they more withdrawn than usual for some reason? I I noticed, for example, in um, a text conversation that I have going back and forth with somebody that I, I know and trust, that for a while, you know, I had been asking them, how how are things going with you? You know, as a follow-up. So they're, they're checking on me. I tried to check on them. And it didn't seem like I was getting a response back from them when I asked that. And it wasn't entirely intentional on their part either. But I did follow up. I said, hey, you know what? I noticed the past few times I've asked to check on you and to see how things are going and you didn't respond back. And so I'm a little bit concerned. Are you okay? And the person wrote back and let me know why that was happening and some of the hardships that they were experiencing in their life. But I would say I probably wouldn't have picked up on that three to six months ago. I probably just would have kept on going and talking about me. So that's that's something that's key is to look for the small signs that something's up and then to attend to those signs. To say, hey, what's going on? I, I noticed this, you know, you're, something small is going on here. Or, hey, you seem happier than usual. What's going on, you know? And they don't have to be big, huge signs. They're just small behavioral things, which also comes back to the first major deposit of understanding the individual. Third major deposit, this one's obvious because we've talked about it in other chapters, keeping commitments. So when you make a commitment to yourself or to other people, keep it. Yes, easier said than done. I, I'm admitting to that. Don't, don't worry. But the point being, though, that when you don't keep a commitment, when you renege on something that you promise, it's a major withdrawal. And if you do it repeatedly, then people aren't going to believe when you make commitments. And that sometimes is a situation that I find myself in. You know, I'll say, oh, yeah, I'll follow up on this. And people generally anticipate that, you know, or perhaps anticipate that I'm not going to because 
maybe I haven't in the past. In fact, I know I haven't in the past, but that's beside the point. So keeping commitments is a huge deposit. Every time that you keep a commitment, it's a deposit into that emotional bank account. But it's a huge withdrawal when you don't. The fourth major deposit is clarifying expectation. Clarifying expectations can actually be one of the hardest things ever. There's a lot that goes unspoken between people. And I know I suffer from this, uh, especially at work, but definitely at home too. You know, it, it encompasses a lot of things like, oh, this needs to get done, but who's supposed to do it? How is it supposed to be done? What time frame is it supposed to be completed in? And a lot of times, you know, if somebody were to say to me, yeah, you know, I think that this thing needs to get done, I would try to step back and not take ownership of it because then, you know, I could easily say, well, you didn't say I was supposed to be the one to do it. You just said to a group of people, this should get done or we need to do this. Well, you didn't specify who needed to do what, so I can pass the buck here. And that's the wrong attitude to have. But the point is, is that I could have just as easily spoken up and said, who, who is responsible for this? One of the hardest things sometimes is if somebody in a position of authority gives direction to me and um, not necessarily one, sometimes I don't want to seem stupid, you know, by asking a dumb question. But secondly, again, the, the, the attitude is, well, if my boss or somebody that I consider, you know, in a position of authority asks me to do something, but they're not clear on it, then it gives me an out. You know, I have a way to escape from it. Asking for clarification sometimes helps to get people onto the same page and to make sure they're on the same mission. And it can be hard to ask for clarification when maybe it's a task you don't want to do, or maybe it's something where... Uh, you're, you already have regular conflicts with a specific person and you really don't want to get into another conflict with them. But perhaps you get into conflicts with that person because things aren't clarified between the two of you in terms of how things are supposed to get done, when they're supposed to get done, and who's supposed to do them. A fifth major deposit, according to this chapter, is to show personal integrity and Showing personal integrity, again, is not easy. Some people believe that it's easy. Some people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I I have great integrity. But how many times have you done this? You know, hey, I really shouldn't tell you this, but here's what's going on with this uh, project at work that I'm not supposed to really be telling people about. Here's what's going on with these different changes that are happening. Um, You know, hey, so-and-so didn't want me to tell you this, but I'm going to let you know. That's not personal integrity. That's not having personal integrity. It's, it's sharing something that was shared in confidence with somebody else. And what that's telling the person that you're talking to is not necessarily um, what you think you're telling them. Yes, at the surface level, they might be a little bit flattered that you're telling them some key pieces of information about something that they're not supposed to know or be privileged to hear. But at the same time, what is that telling them about you? Or what would that be? telling them about me well what it's saying is oh well if i tell this somebody something in confidence they might tell somebody else so maybe they're not trustworthy and don't get me wrong that might not be the surface attitude but subconsciously that's what we're conveying the same thing's true with gossiping and i've been guilty of gossiping in the past or maybe not even so much as gossiping but just um 
you know, if there's somebody that a lot of people don't like at work or a lot of people don't like it, didn't like at school or whatever. Yeah. We would talk about the person and be like, can you believe what so-and-so did? Blah, 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 blah. And it turns into a gripe session about that person. But let's be honest, there's a good chance that those group of friends that we're talking with might be doing the same thing about us behind our backs. Because if we're willing to talk about somebody else negatively, not to their face, but in closed doors behind their back, then chances are other people would be willing to do the same about us. And that, again, is something having to do with integrity and character. And it's hard to get around that because it's something that we all, at least I think we all struggle with. There's no perfect down the line center of the road. I am, you know, I never gossip. I, I never slip information that I shouldn't let slip. You know, I, that, that never happens. I, I've never shared details of, uh, you know, something going on that I shouldn't be sharing details with this person about. But the fact is, is that in my life I have. And it stinks admitting that because people are like, oh, well, you know, how could you say that? You mean that you betrayed people's trust? Yes, I betrayed people's trust. And I have to admit that and live with it. And it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's really hard at times. And I think, though, that most people would be hypocritical if they said that they didn't. Not everybody. I know there are people with deep integrity. And I would like to become one of those people. So I'm working on it. And that's that's the whole point of this journey is to find out things like this and be like, oh, that, yeah, that, that's an area I need to work on. Last but not least, simpo- uh, sincerely apologize when making withdrawals so let's say you do something that really hurts somebody and it's completely unintentional you had no intention of doing this but it really hurts somebody well then you have to apologize and the thing is if if you do it again and again and again and again and again or if i do it again and again and again and again that apology is going to seem less and less sincere over time so if i tell my son i'm going to help you with a video project or something like that and then i don't do it And then I say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, something came up I had to take care of or I had some commitments for the household to do. Yeah, he might understand it the first time. But then the next time if I say, well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll totally do this project on uh, Wednesday. Well, if come Wednesday I don't help him with that project, over time he's not going to believe me anymore. Essentially what the book said is you, you can't apologize your way out of something that your behavior has built up and demonstrated over time. It's going to take a lot more behavioral demonstration than it will just apologizing. And I found this to be true in much more deeper and more painful areas of my life as well. That just because I'm apologizing, just because I realized how badly I hurt somebody, or just because I realized even not knowing what I had been doing that I really, really hurt somebody, it doesn't change the fact that I did, that I did it repeatedly, and that an apology sometimes is not enough to counteract the negative withdrawals, the overdrawn bank account. Sometimes it takes a long period of time of taking positive action after positive action and still apologizing. And even then, it it might not fix things. Sometimes the bank account gets closed. Now, sometimes a new smaller bank account gets reopened, but I'm just saying, sometimes the bank account gets closed. And that's never a situation that anybody wants to find themselves in. You know, I've lost friends. 
I've I've lost friends. I've alienated family because I haven't kept up on those emotional bank accounts because I was not a person of integrity because I didn't take the time to be concerned about what other people's lives were like or what they were going through because I lived in my own little world of you know selfishness and self-centeredness. And don't get me wrong, I still live in that world sometimes, a lot more than I would like to admit to. So the emotional bank account is going to be a very important way of thinking about the habits coming forward that are the the exterior victories or the public victory ones, the ones that have to do with having interdependent relationships. But once again, you can't have an interdependent relationship until you are independent in and of yourself. And that's something I'm still working on. It doesn't mean you can't work on both at the same time, but it does mean that until you have a certain level, or at least I have a certain level of personal habits that drive character growth, that drive from principles that are well-centered and well-focused, then my ability to connect with others is going to be very strained Because if I can't be true to myself, to who I want to be and to who I am, then how am I going to be true to others? So that's something to think about as we go into the next coming chapters. So that's it. We've we've gotten through the first half of the book, which is pretty impressive. Actually, just over the first half of the book. So now we're going to start going into the, again, the public habits, the ones that are public victories, and we'll start touching on those next time. If you like what you're hearing here, First of all, I want to thank you once again for being part of the collective alongside me and for join, uh, joining with me in our journey together to fight, adapt, and grow. If you do like what you're hearing here, if anything that I say has value to you, then I do believe in the value-for-value model of podcasting, uh, which means that if you see something of value in what I'm doing or saying, then feel free to give some value back. It could be an email to collectivecastfeedback at gmail.com just to say hi, just to say, hey, this this struck a chord with me. You could click on the link to the Discord channel, which is in every single episode, and uh, jump in the Discord. In fact, I do want to set up a community cast once a month where we can all talk about different struggles in our lives and how we're dealing with them. And so that's that's something that I think would be a, a, a great thing to do as well. The other thing, if you're really, really feeling like I'm getting a cer- giving you a certain level of value, there is a PayPal link in every episode and on the website at collectivecast.com. If you would like to toss me a few dollars, hey, I would appreciate it. I'm not demanding that. I, I don't believe that you know you owe me money. There's nothing like that going on here. But if you do find enough value, hey, it costs money to pay for the file hosting and to pay for the domain name and it does take time to put all this stuff together the other thing you could do is uh leave a review leave a review on your favorite podcast application you know that will help other people to find the show and again most of these things don't cost anything so if you're finding value by all means leave value in some way In the meantime, I do want to thank you for journeying alongside me here as part of the collective. I want to thank you for helping me in my journey to fight, adapt, and grow in my life. And I hope that I may be doing the same for you. In the meantime, I want to thank you again for listening. Thank you for being part of the collective. Until next time, take care.